1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, city of champions. There's the crack of the bat. And speaking of bats, I wish I had one right now. I've got deja vu, Jamie. Deja vu. I've heard that song sometime in the most recent past. I think that recent past was 10 minutes ago when I first heard it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we started, we stopped, and we're starting over again. This is episode. I gotta put the man on camera. That's usually behind the glass. Thirty-three. Matt Fox. I'm an asshole. The glass. All right, come on. This is the, this is the man that uh, started and helped us stop the episode just so we could <laughs> get going on a flying new start. Hey, if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna throw me under the bus, Charles, you gotta talk right into that thing right now. Man, right, I got right, a, yeah, I got yeah. a problem talking right into it. So it's uh, Detroit City of Champions. I'm Jamie Flanagan, along with uh, the author of the trilogy of books, Charles Avison. And uh, Matt Fox is uh, with us. I am not going to touch my phone. I, I love you, Matt Fox. I, I, I love, love Matt you Fox. Too, guys, and uh, I'm going to need another cocktail in a minute. I don't know if I want to. I should probably play it off. I got a little bit here. All right. All right we got Jack off. over here. I know. And uh, But Charles. We can send Matt Fox on a We did the man cave. We did the man cave happy hour. And, and uh, we're here at the Podcast Detroit Studios. In the Detroit Shipping Company, downtown Detroit on Peterborough. Uh, it's a really cool place. My summer is in full swing. Detroit is alive, uh, much like it was coming alive in 1935 uh, because teams were winning. Uh, it was crazy that they brought in the middle of the Depression, uh, and it was giving the city something to, to be hopeful about and, well, yeah, and this cheerful is, about. That's what the, the interesting component. I've, I've had, a lot of times when I tell this story to people, they say, "Man, I wish I was alive then to see all those incredible no, you events." You'd be, you'd be eating shoe stew. You'd be eating lard <laughs> on toast for the Great Depression. Yeah, which was yeah, a yeah. common fare in the Great Depression. Yeah, lard yeah. on toast. Yep. So like these, like this was a tough age. Right. It was a difficult era to live. Right. And that, and when these sports teams started even playing remotely well, these fans got behind their teams. Like, I mean, like as Detroit teams do, as Detroit fans do. When a team starts to play well, like when a team starts to uh, give their fans something to get excited about, yeah. Detroit fans are known for coming out to support these teams. Can we keep that? Is that music? How is that music? It's still going. It's, it's like three minutes long. <laughs> okay. I, I normally turn it off, but I'm just grooving on it. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I love music. It's I don't like, need any hype more. I don't need any I more hype tunes. Either. I don't need any hype tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right, I'll sorry. go with hype tunes. All but right. I'm, we're, I don't need it. I don't even. I can hype. I can hype plenty without the tune. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the, so when the, so as of, like as like today when like like 84 Tigers, 68 Tigers. Uh, you got to hit it with it. If you got to hit it with it, you got to hit it. But it, I, but like I sometimes say, it's like, I gotta. Sometimes too much hype is just. <laughs> A little bit too much. Right, and the ahead, hype music ahead, is ahead, hype, ahead, but ahead. the hype ta- hype words coming spit, uh, spitting out of my mouth just takes it too like, almost but too much. The Red Wings, right? This is where we are. We're at the Red Wings. We've been through the Tigers. We've been through the Lions. We're gonna get to Joe Lewis. We're gonna get to Garwood. We're gonna get to the thirty-three championships all told. The minor league Olympics. We're talking about um, that. We're talking about. Uh, we're at knee deep in the Red Wings in the greatest season to ever take place in the history. Of American sport. So before we get back into the Red Wings and where we're at in this season, you mentioned Joe Lewis and Matthew and I, and it's just it's it's about a mile from here. Yep. Uh, we were we were hanging out with Joe Lewis 
Joe Louis Barrow Jr. Jr. Yeah. The third. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to it. But uh, he was in town for the launch of uh, the Joe Louis Southern Kitchen mm-hmm. uh, in the New Center area. It's right on Woodward, mm-hmm. uh, just about uh, three doors south of the boulevard. It's just steps away from the Fisher Building. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing food. You guys it's, look like you're having a good time. I look at a few <sighs> pictures on it. It's only open from uh, three, to, 3 to 7. S- 7 to 3. Yep, that. Yep. <laughs> Not three to seven. Not three to seven. Yeah. Seven, seven to three. Seven so breakfast and brunch. Yep. Breakfast, brunch, and breakfast, lunch, and brunch. Limited. That's um, awesome. They're like, we're, our, our stuff is so good that it's limited. And Here's Joe talks thing. about it. Yeah. And the food. Oh, God. The, the, the mac and cheese with the mm. Cajun fried turkey mm-hmm. leg. Jeez. Oh, my effing mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, they could even they could pick up some business doing those turkey legs during, with all the events down here. Because I live right around the corner, and there's yeah. events all through the year. If they sold turkey legs at these events, oh, yeah, they'd yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even have to it's, have the restaurant and, and open. The, it, it was the sample we got was like all mixed up. But when you get it, you get a full turkey leg just covered, covered. in oh. just goodness. They need to be selling those turkey legs during events down here because there's parties out here where there's oh, like 30,000 people. It's like the it, Renaissance Festival on they, yeah. It was. It was. It was a Southern 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 Kitchen Renaissance Festival leg. It was No, it I've, was met, I've, I've met him through, I've met Joe Louis Barrow Jr. through, uh, you know, through these Zoom chats we've had. We've yeah, the man cave, that's man right. Cave that's right. You were on the, the man cave when we were doing the bourbon. bourbon. Yep. Numerous times. So, so we're going to. I'm looking forward to Tom, you know, Tom, our main man. Tom, get Tom in here, well, Tom is like has an entire packet of stuff he wants to give to Joe Lewis regarding his father. Who Tom's right. got a Tom's got like this like deep embedded love for Joe Lewis right. that he can't wait just to give his son. So I know. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but we we sat down and talked to him, and it was it was nice because we were t- what we talked about was naming the Joe Lewis Kitchen, Joe Lewis Southern Kitchen, mm-hmm. and um, how Joe Lewis Arena. Mm-hmm. Is gone, mm-hmm. and and I was curious how I was. And you'll have to go back. It's uh, the videos on Facebook. Uh, Charles will find out if you want to release it as a, a, a City of Champions episode or not. But uh, it, it's it's there on the videos on Facebook and on YouTube. And just talking to him, I didn't. I was curious as to how that. The, the the stadium going away impacted the family. You got to listen to it to find out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then uh, the other the other pieces, the Joe Louis Fist, the statue that's out there, that's that's there to stay. Uh, and then the now the Joe Louis Greenway, um, they just broke. That's around. cool. Yeah, the yeah the Joe Louis Greenway and, is cool. And how he expected Joe Louis Barrow Jr. the third. Broke into tears yeah. uh, as we were talking about this. He was so moved by what we were talking about. I'm like, "Way to go, Matt! You made Joe Lewis cry." <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I want to say this real quick. All right, while yeah, we're yeah. talking about Joe Lewis, he's a nice. I guy. know we're talking about the Red Wings, but I got to say this about Joe Lewis. Yeah. I'm talking about the original Joe. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's this: is that we've got a Joe Lewis fist monument downtown Detroit. Mm-hmm. We've got this huge fist, right? Cobo Hall has a statue of Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis is a house, really a household. I mean, household name. Who sure. doesn't know? Who's never heard of Joe Lewis? Joe right, Lewis right. Arena, right, right. a hockey arena, was named after Joe Lewis, a boxer. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But here's a, here's a question to the viewers out there. We've all heard of the name. We've all everybody knows his name. Yeah. Yes. But how many people are familiar with the story of Joe Lewis? Yeah. How many people know why? What? How great? Why he was so great? Oh my God. That it would cause all of those things to happen. A In- fist statue of all the legends that have come through Detroit. You've got a massive fist mm-hmm. downtown Detroit, and then you've got an arena named after him and a statue at a cabal. Why is Joe, like, that's, that's the thing that gets me. When I first started reading about Joe Lewis, yeah. I had heard of all those things. 
I knew virtually nothing about Joe Lewis when I first approached my very my first book. I knew nothing about him. In fact, when I did my first the thesis that led to the books, I never even included him in it. Right. He like he Joe Lewis like he wasn't he did he, he wasn't a champion in '35. He wasn't you know he didn't do his thing. He did Joe, win that award, but he wasn't. But champion. he wasn't champion right. of all the 33 champions. Joe Lewis is not included. Right. He's right. not a 34. Joe right, Lewis right. is not included in the 33. Right. Right. He was not the, a champion in 1935. Yeah, yeah. But I make a case in the second book that what he did in 1935 oh. was the greatest. Set the indiv- world afire. I, I make a, my the entire premise of the of, of Joe Lewis section of my second book, which occupies v- probably a, a, a third to a half of the first book of the mm-hmm. second book. Mm-hmm. I'm the entire premise is making a case that 1935 Joe Lewis was the greatest individual season in the history of American sport, yet he did not finish as the NFL as a as a boxing heavyweight champion. Yep, yep. So how can somebody that didn't even win their championship finish like the case? I either make a horrible case or I didn't make my case, or what he did in 1935 so outpaced, outpaced, and surpassed. You're just a fanboy. All- that's what I'm saying. Like maybe I, I'm either a fanboy <laughs> or maybe I made my case. You yeah, see yeah. what I'm saying? When we get to Joe Lewis, I'll, I will explain those components. But what I'm saying is we're going to take that, a lot of time with Joe. But what? I, oh, we're going to take our yeah, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, is that Joe Lewis is one of the most important, not sports athletes of the 20th century. I'm saying Joe Lewis is one of the top 10 or 20 most important people. Wow. Of the entire 20th century. Without a doubt. Without Joe doubt. Lewis is critical. And so that's why I, I can't wait war, to get to the Joe Lewis. The war effort and, 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 but what he, and absolutely all and, of it. All of it. And, and just, you know, the, the racial divide, breaking down barriers. and it, What just, Joe Lewis did was uh, so. Astounding. Joe, what Joe Lewis did inside the ring and outside the ring is so critically important. And I asked the question again, the same question that I started this entire line of thought with. What do you, you the listener, you the viewer who are listening to this now, what do you know about Joe Lewis? You've heard the name. Wait till we get to the point where we actually get to tell you yeah. about the legend and why and those things deep. were named after. Why those people that named him, that made the fist, named the, named the stadium, made the statue, why they did so. It is never, there's no movies, there's no nothing. There's no nothing about Joe Lewis that's come out. Right. And wait till we get to it. And that's one of the signature components of the movie that I want, I've already written. And the movie that we want to do is to show just how great, when, it, when the movie comes out, Probably the thing that everybody's going to fall in love with is the Joe Lewis. Right. I've actually already planned for like an expansion. Like if it comes out as a Netflix miniseries, it, I've already written it so that there's a spinoff capabilities of doing an entirely like because the, the thirty because the movie I wrote was about Joe Lewis in thirty four and thirty five. Mm. But there's entire there's you could do a spinoff series just on the rest of Joe Lewis's life story because it's so incredible. And Joe Lewis emerged out of this. The final thought I have on this: Joe Lewis emerged out of this as. My favorite athlete of 1935. Oh, okay, wow. my favorite athlete. My favorite story is Gar Wood. My favorite athlete is is Joe Lewis. My favorite Tiger, Mickey Cochran. Yeah. My favorite Lion, Glenn, Glenn Presnell. My favorite Red Wing of 1935 Bucky. is Buck, Buckle Buck, McDonald. Oh. My favorite Red Wing overall is is uh, is uh, Goodfellow. So is that uh, where we're gonna dig into Bucko now? Oh, we've talked about Bucko. Oh, we've been, we? we've oh, been oh, I've already made I've made Jamie the biggest Bucko fan. I'm a huge Bucko He's a fan. big Bucko fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, we'll go. Trust me, Bucko comes up. Bucko so, comes up. So the team that played oh, at Joe That's Lewis right, Arena uh, for years and years and years and won several of their championships in Joe Lewis Arena were playing at Olympia Stadium. Yes. Finally filling up the freaking stadium. 
right? Beginning of the season, the stadium holds about uh, what ten, twelve. Well, we've already talked about this. So I'll, I'll walk. I'll, I'll catch our listeners up to maybe it's been a couple of weeks for Matt yeah. Fox. Been a couple of weeks for, so for it, some of our viewers. Maybe it's it, been a couple it holds weeks. what with twelve thousand people or something like that. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. You know, yes. and then uh, they were they they opening the season. 2,000 people. The they got nobody. But their minor oh. league team, the Detroit Olympics, Ten, are outselling. There were 10,000 people the 10, there to see that. 10,000 people to watch the minor league team yeah. and four or 5,000 coming there to the watch o- the majors. The, owner, right. the, o- the owner's like, I-, I think I might just switch teams. I just, uh, we're <laughs> yeah. going to bring these boys over. Well, they knew. They knew that 35 was a big year because the line, because the Tigers in 34 had gone all the way to the seventh game in the World Series. They, the Lions had uh, been moved from Portsmouth, Ohio, to Detroit in 1934, and they mm-hmm. won their first 10 games, came within an inch of the NFL championship in 34. Mm-hmm. And so they knew that 30, and it, like in the, the, the prior to the 30, like when the, the spring training of 1935 with the Tigers, there's caravans of Detroit fans going down to, to Florida, to Lakeland, wow. to watch the Tigers because the Tiger fever was absolutely thick in the air. And so the excitement was just palpable for oh 1935. God, yeah. So the Red Wings knew. The Red Wings, prior to 1935, they had a horrible season. I mean, they'd been at the, two years prior, they'd been at the first Stanley Cup, but they'd only been renamed the Red Wings uh, th- three years prior, 1932. Okay. So they've been, this is the third name for this franchise. They're yeah. trying to click with Detroit. They haven't, they, the, the, the fans that are coming to watch the Red Wings, mm-hmm. the majority are from Canada. They're coming to watch the Red Wings get or get Just beat stomped on by Canadians by Canadian teams. Whenever right. there's a Canadian team in town, Olympia's got eleven thousand fans, right? Because they're watching. They're coming there to root for the Canadian teams. So, so, the, uh, so that's it's it's, it's this kind of crazy dynamic, which the home team is like the away team. That's the, and that's their best nights they're drawing. And so they knew that was unsustainable. That if they want to actually become a, a heartbeat of Detroit, they they had to. Uh, you know, do something special. In the fact that thirty that these other teams were winning in thirty four, mm-hmm. and the Red Wings were absolutely horrendous in thirty four. They had to be part of the thirty five season. They knew this, and we spent an entire episode actually diagnosing and understanding how. Like they never came out and said, "We know we have to be competitive in thirty five. But you can see by their actions, the fifty thousand uh, dollar transaction where they right. brought in Scotty Bowman and Sid Howe, the Ottawa assassin. They brought him Scotty in. Bowman. The difference, yeah. but we don't mention that. I got that. Anybody that's a viewer of the broadcast know that. From, and we'll say it one more time. When we say Sid Howe, we say Scotty Bowman. We're not talking. Sid Howe. No Sid Howe is not related to Gordy Howe. Nope. And Scotty Bowman is not the same Scotty Bowman as the coach. No. no. We swore we would never say that again. Oh, I was doing it for man. But we're no, doing it for. But I already knew. But that. you knew that. Yeah. But I'm for any viewers that's listening to it now. That's the second and last time we're going to make that. So anybody that, right. called, that, that says <laughs> I'm that's the same Scotty Bowman, we're I'm not even going to reference it anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll say that shit. I'll because back in the day, because back in the day in '35, when Gordy Howe came into Detroit and was a rookie. Mm-hmm. They asked. They were like, "Is Gordy going to be the next Sid?" Right. Is, so it's a topsy turvy reversal where right, they're, right. they're like, "Is, is Sid Howell related to Gordy?" No. Back then, when when Sid Howell retired, he was the all time NHL goal scorer. Yeah. So when Gordy came in, they were like, "Is Gordy potentially as good as Sid?" Mm-hmm. Now somebody, it's a somebody reversal. just passed his record recently. Gordy's. Yeah. Uh, for games played. Oh, for okay, okay. I, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah. News. But but anyways, yeah, so. Anyway. So what I'm saying is, is that so in '35 they knew they had to be competitive. They made a major move to get Sid yeah. Howe, Sid Howe and Scotty Bowman, fifty thousand dollar move, half the price that they paid to get Mickey, that the Tigers paid to get Mickey Cochran. But back so, in that back in 1935, fifty thousand dollars is in today's numbers massive is amount, absolutely Huge. astonishing number. Yeah. And Mickey you're a Cochran, figure it out. 
Make it well, Mickey Cochran. <laughs> make it to get Mickey Cochran. The Tigers had to spend a hundred thousand dollars. Frank Navin, the owner of the Tigers, that was akin to him mortgaging his entire family's uh, oh, financial oh, future for the rest of his life. Yeah. So like that was a hundred thousand dollars for the greatest catcher in baseball. That's what he spent. And then the Red Wings go out and spend fifty grand to get these two stars, to get these young stars. So that was the Red Wings signaling to their fans that this was a, that thirty five was the year that they were going to make all out. And then they went out and got Heck Kilria and several other players. But they also got lucky because they're but not but and I say that with a certain uh, deference because. Jack Adams had been developing a minor league organization, the Detroit Olympics, who were the only organization that played at Olympia Stadium. And the Detroit Olympics were, were, uh, had won the 1934-35 IHL minor mm-hmm. league championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in the, prior to the 35 season, the IHL Olympics played the, the, ninth, the Red Wings and beat the Red Wings in the inner city series. Wow. That's what mm-hmm. led to this conversation saying maybe Adams should just flip teams and have the Olympics, be all the Olympics players play for the Red Wings and then vice versa. But to answer the question, $50,000 in 1935 is the equivalent of $974,600 today. So a million. Yep. But the, but, but that was a million the, dollar one-time move. And then, but in sport, but here's the thing is, is I understand that as far as the uh, the conversion rate, yeah. but, as far as a, but as far as the mental figure, like sports in that time, yeah. They, they, you didn't spend that. You didn't spend a million dollars on a player. Exactly, you didn't spend a million dollars. That's but why they like, did. But they did. Yeah, but that's they what did. Saying. It was a massive move that signaled to the, the players fans. that players did not get paid. Nor no, did no. you did you buy them exactly. for a million dollars for a million dollars? Exactly. Uh, it, it's, when yeah. you're when you're putting two thousand people in this in the exactly stadium. yeah. And right. so that's what I'm saying is that this was a major move to signal to the fans that thirty five because they got the play because they got Bowman and Sid Howe in thirty four thirty five. And so, and they so there was a signal to the fans that in '35, just like the Red Wings, or just like the Tigers, and just like the Lions, the Red Wings were going to be competitive. They made a couple of trades. They made it. We've, we spent episodes working on all the players that they brought in. But Jack Adams of the 15 players on his team, it was 11 new guys. Right. Yeah. He completely revamped the team, and then his entirely revamped All Star squad that they assembled for '35 got beaten by the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And so he made of several moves. He brought several Olympics players up to the Red Wings, most. Notably, um, was Wally Kilrea, the captain of the Olympics, Bucko. brought him up. But Bucko McDonald, Bucko, Bucko the freaking Bucko. <laughs> Bucko, Bucko, my favorite player, Bucko, who'd only been in hockey. The, when his 1934 season was his first was he, year he, ever. Lacrosse, was his, he was a lacrosse player. Was, he did. He wasn't an amateur. No, he was a rugby. He was. A, he was a lacrosse, lacrosse player. Lacrosse. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. not an amateur hockey player. He was a. He was an, a, a superstar lacrosse player. Did not know how to strapped skate. Strapped on skates in his first did year. Did not know in how to skate. Hey, he was skating on, on his ankle. He was skating on his ankles. He was, all a, time. He was a bender, which means his ankles bent at the seams. Two yeah, words. Like, Topic. Yeah. Topic. <laughs> but he came in in '34 and helped the Olympics win the championship. And they're like, let's Jesus. give this guy a chance. And, and Bucko was the idol of all the fans. He was a the the yeah, number one fan favorite. In fact, when we we're talking about the, the the this is the third episode we've done about the Red Wings actual season. And in the first episode we did about the regular season, which was two episodes ago, mm-hmm. the, the 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 day that they went it, they moved into first place. It was called the Hitless Wonders, and this we're tying into the story of the season as it moves forward. So the first the first uh, the first thirteen games of the season, the Red Wings were called the Hitless Wonders. Yeah, they were. They were they last were place. Nothing. They couldn't score a goal. They were just absolutely terrible, right? Mm-hmm. But then they started to make some noise. They started to win a little bit. They won a game here. They won a game there. And then, and then, the, and then the game. And then what was fascinating was is the day that the that the Lions won the NFL championship it was December fifteenth, nineteen thirty five. 
that was the day the Red Wings moved into first place. Oh my goodness! And so, yeah. I, and I, and the game before, which was December fourteenth, that was the game that they won to actually, you know, to tie themselves and you know to make it so they were tied for first place. Right. Bucko scored his first goal of the season <laughs> to win the game. The man so, that couldn't skate. So he was kind of like a <laughs> Darren. Goal he was kind of like goal. a Darren McCarty type. Like yeah. a, he was a bruiser. Yeah. He was like a, a personality on the ice, uh-huh. and he was the kind of guy that like when you like this like out of nowhere would score a goal and win you the like the most important so he game would, of the he year. He was the original. Grind line, yes, yes, All right. yes. But he, but like, he had never had any penalties. Rarely had a penalty. Was always like, and was one of like the the greatest. Like just like he could just he just like he was a hitter. He was a defenseman, and he Bucko and he had like the personality. Like the, the and I said this in the and we were talking about Bucko, but I'll say it again. When I wrote this section on Bucko McDonald, mm-hmm. there was so much ink on Bucko McDonald from 1935-36 mm-hmm. that the rare opportunity existed that I did not say anything for the entire chapter. All I did was introduce Bucko, and I said there was so much press coverage of Bucko in 1935. He was such a fan favorite and such a beloved figure, which we know nothing about now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, it's been completely forgotten, but there was so much uh, ink on him in 1935 oh, yeah. that I removed myself from the chapter mm-hmm. and merely just basically uh, pasted articles of his entire season together. And all I did was it, like put a, like a very like a sentence instead of saying on this day the Red Wings had just done this, and then I turned it over to the press of that time to tell the story. Fair. So the entire chapter of Buckle McDonald is all just. Is just quotes from the press. He's such a character. The only chapter. Though. I mean, he was like out the, eating huge steaks. He's eating and, burgers and steaks, and they're <laughs> he's like, like he's crazy. Sides Bunko's of beef. Are, he's like he was nuts. Yeah, like he the, would. He would. Because oh, he lived. He well, lived hard. He lived. He was a tough living. What was he? Yeah. Six two, six three. What? The, like he's like a big kid. He had big ears. Big body, like 235, oh, 6'2", like, like huge for his era, and he could skate. And the thing is about it is, like, there was a guy named Lionel Conacher. Lionel Conacher is, in the 1930s, Lionel Conacher was viewed as the greatest Canadian athlete. He's still, people that know about Canadian athletics still view Lionel Conacher as one of the best, if not the best. He's like the Jim Thorpe of Canada, hmm. okay? He, play, he, was, he, he, was, he was excellent at uh, lacrosse, baseball, hockey, Football, everything. Right. Lionel Conacher was the best, and he was a Hall of Famer, and he was the one of the best defensemen in the entire NHL in nineteen forty. I played for the Montreal Maroons, just one of the best players ever. And like they viewed Buckle McDonald in nineteen thirty five as the next, like as like whenever like he was like he was like the the new Lionel Conacher. That's how they viewed. That's how they viewed Bucko as like the not only the new Lionel Conacher. But the guy that was like would like when Lionel Conker played the Red Wings, that's the guy they put on him. You see what I'm saying? So so anyways, Bucko was a big deal. And we've talked about we've talked we spent a lot of time Love talking Bucko. about him. Yes. So this is like the, the the third chunk of the season. Yeah. So the first chunk we talked about the hit list one. Yeah. And so games one through thirteen, the uh the the Red Wings, um the, the Red Wings they started out incredibly slow. But then yeah. they started but and that, and that what's interesting is is on the thirteenth game of the year. The newspapers, they actually said, we came to this game against the Boston Bruins, game number 13. We yeah. came here to, to, uh, to ask Jack Adams the question, what's wrong with the Red Wings? And they were like, you know what? The game we came here to tell, ask him that question mm-hmm. was answered by the play on the ice because the Red Wings were amazing. Yeah. Like, they were yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like they, they, were like, they were like, there was no debate. Like, they, they won, like, I think it was like two to one or something like this. But the so score, they, but they were like, but the score didn't tell you the yeah. whole story. Hmm. They were incredible in this, this 13th game. They're like, we don't even want to ask them that question more because <laughs> they were so good, right? Yeah. They were so good. Yeah. 
And so, and there was, and then we also talked about how in that game they only drew four thousand fans, right? Whereas right. a previous game against, like, literally two days prior, the Detroit Olympics drawn ten thousand. So it wasn't there was like there was a lack of hockey interest necessarily in the city. It was a lack that they were drawn towards the Olympics, the Detroit Olympics, who were winning games. And so, and then we also then we moved on to the 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 uh, the, the, the episode previous, the episode we just did. Um, which we were like, we didn't give it an official name, but we, I, I wrote it down here as the orgy of victory because the Red Wings went on this tear. They went on this I, tear. I put that in the notes. Did you? Sure. Okay, good. Oh, the yeah, orgy yeah. of victory. Was that because they went on this like? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they went on this crazy. They went on this tear, you know. And then and we and we also contrasted in the in that section in that segment of games which lasted in the last episode from games fourteen to twenty five. And then keep in mind the entire season's forty eight games. Yeah. So four. So games fourteen to twenty five. Um. We talked about how just like a week later when they played Boston again. So the, oh. the first game where they broke out against Boston, Boston. they only had 4,000 fans. Those but a week Black later, Hawks. but a week later that the fans had recognized that the Red Wings were on the rise. And so right. in that game, they set an attendance record at like four. It was like a, a 12,000 fans. Wow. And these were Detroiters uh-huh. coming to watch against Boston. This wasn't a Canadian team. Because yeah. they so, wanted to see Boston lose. Was that Christmas Well, because night? they wanted to see the Red Wings win. Right. Because right. They, because also because the Red Wings are now playing because – because yeah, the Red Wings are now in first place. Mm-hmm. They're playing not for just some obscure Canadian trophy. They're playing for the greater s- potential of city of champions, mm-hmm. the greater glory of the city. The Lions have won. The Tigers have won. Joe Lewis has done his thing, and now the Red Wings represent the final mantle, the final championship uh, trophy to put on the mantle of Detroit. Right. So, so that, now the fans are interested in that. Is that where the uh, the uh, the version of bandwagon comes in because they're noticing? What's no, going I don't on? think so. I think what it is 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 that the fans were fi- were finally engaged. Uh-huh. It gave them something to engage. The, the engagement was is that, again, Joe Lewis had done his thing. The Tigers had won the, 19, the, 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 the World Series. The Lions had won the NFL championship. Right. Was, and now the Red Wings were the final major championship. And they were on an upswing. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and they were on the upswing. Final so, piece of the puzzle. The yep. final piece of the puzzle. Okay. And so now, the, so, and I've said this, I even say this in the books, is that the Red, the, no team benefited from the city championship season more than the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Because what it did was, is the, the, Lions, the Lions were like the fulcrum. When they won on December 15th, anybody that opened their paper, they open the newspaper up and they see on the same cover that the Lions win the championship and on the same day that the uh, that the Red Wings it's are in first, first place. place. It says okay. Red Wings move into first place. It, it was an instant trigger. And Joe Lewis is on the same page. It said Joe Lewis wins uh, best, most outstanding athlete of the year in 1935. So they're like, Detroit's full of champions or uh-huh. maybe champions. What's this hockey thing all about? Mm-hmm. So now they're introducing the game of hockey. They're drawing fans to Olympia. And for the first time really ever... Detroit fans are engaged. Mm-hmm. They're like, what are our chances to win? Who are our players? What is this all about? Is this any good? I'm going to go check out a game. It's in the dead of winter. What else do I got to do? They're going to check out Red Wings games. And what they're getting out of it yeah. is a team on the ice that are a bunch of, as we've read articles before, whirling dervishes, red wolves on the prowl. The, the articles, the oh newspaper. Oh, my God, the language. Yeah. The, yeah. Just the, the, the newspaper articles are making you wish that you were there. Let's, let's, yeah. bring, that, let's, let's bring wooling dervishes back. Yes, oh. that's, let's but that's, bring that back. But these yeah. are the articles that these newspaper writers are writing. And so, like, they're, and so like, a, like, imagine you're just like, you've never watched hockey before. And you're, like, going to work. And a guy comes back and goes, my God, that Red Wings game last night was so friggin' cool. And they yeah. go, what do you mean? Like, what, what's what, hockey? I heard that game, that sport sucks. And they're like, no. 
Like it is crazy. It's like I mean, it's like football on ice. It's crazy. It's they Red Wings won. We're winning. Cha- they could win a championship this year. Mm-hmm. And then you open the newspaper and they're like Red Wolves on the prowl. And you're like, you just feel like you just missed out on something awesome. Right. Yeah. And so you're like, well, hell, I'm gonna go check it out. So you go, you know, you go to the game and then they win again. And then like the fans are going insane. You go there, the, the house is packed. You're part of something that's like you feel like you're part of something. Yeah. And now you're hooked. And this was the year. And I and that's why I say this was the year that Detroit fell in love with hockey. Oh. And this is why we're this is why we do what we do for this show. Is that we are showing you why Detroit fell in love with hockey, how they fell in love with it, and potentially like who we are as a people as far as a hockey loving, a sports loving city and a and a people. Nothing to do with pizza. Yeah, no, zero. Well, no, but but anyways, it's so anyways. So I'm going to so, tell that to you twice. N- nothing. Yeah. So no, what no. we left pizza, off pizza. was, you know, like no, no. say we went through games 14 to 25. Yep, yep. And what we and what we covered in over the course of really the last two se- episodes was not just you know the downs of the hitless wonders in the first part of the season and uh-huh. then the ups of the orgy of victory, but we also talked about was this in, this inner story which was the rivalry with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. And we we spent me, we spent several episodes introducing the reasons why how this rivalry extends all the way back to the birth of these organizations. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the birth of the original six. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's the birth of the of of hockey in America. I mean, the the, the uh, Portland Rosebuds came over from Canada, the Victoria Cougars came over and both those teams became the you know the Victoria the Victoria Cougars became the the, the, the Detroit Cougars. And the uh, Portland Rosebuds became the Blackhawks. They mm-hmm. both came into the NHL at the exact same moment. And, f- and from that time, there were numerous situations that led to this growing rivalry. Um, in the in recent past, most notably, was that the Red Wings were beaten by the Blackhawks in the 1933 uh, Stanley Cup championship yeah. for in the final game for the Stanley Cup. Right. So the Blackhawks' first Stanley Cup was won <sighs> at the expense of the Red Wings. And so this rivalry is growing year after year after year. And here we are in 35. All the other Detroit teams have won their championships. The Red Wings are the in, in all the teams that won. The, the Tigers beat the the, the Cubs. Mm-hmm. The Lions had to go through the Bears to get to the NFL championship. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so the road to the Stanley, to the championships have been through Chicago. And now here we are again. Black the Blackhawks are the chance have a chance to play spoiler, which yeah. elevates the ratchets up the the intensity wow. of this rivalry dogfight. And that's where we are today. And the subject of today's episode is. Dog fight. Dog, Dog fight. fight. Yes. So here we are now after catching up and numerous uh, after getting through. So no, here we th- are. Thank you for the refresher. Because I think your listeners, everything that you just said, the, there, there's a lot of passion that goes into what you just said. Wait till we see it on TV. Wait till we see it as a Netflix show. This is the road to the Stanley Cup. We've and I'm not to play, not to give anything away. What happens at the end of this Spoilers. whole thing? Spoiler alert: They win. Okay, but the, not to give anything away. But my, but it's. But every book that's ever even mentioned the 35 Red Wings, they just go, oh, you know, they had the three guys, Barney Barry, Irby Lewis, and Larry Ori, which were great, and they scored a bunch of goals, and they won. Okay, let's move on to the Red Wing with the Gordy Holland shit. That's not what – the 35 season deserves a movie unto itself. This is one of the greatest – like, we talk about the the, the uh, Colorado Avalanche, how incredible that was, mm-hmm. the rivalry with the Chicago – the, the, the uh, Colorado Avalanche. I was there for all of it. I watched all this stuff, and it was – you know, it's one of the eras that I fell in love with hockey. But my God, the 35 
dogfight with the Blackhawks is something that has been completely forgotten. And if it was shown on film how great it was, it would instantly become one of everybody's favorite stories. So let me ask the question, the elephant in the room. During the playoffs back then, how many games were in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Was it still five a five-game series? Five-game series. Five series. So they had to win three. All, all, they won in three. They would have won three and you moved on. Right. And there was so. two. There was two. There was a uh, quarterfinal, a semifinal, and then the finals. Right. So for for Chicago and the Red Wings. I take that back. It was two rounds. It was a it was a semifinals and then the Stanley Cup finals. All right. So there's only eight teams. So it was five games in the Stanley Cup final, right? Yeah, five games. Well, it was no, it was seven game final. You had to win four. Okay. So how many games did it take for the Red Wings to win the Stanley Cup championship that year? Uh, you put me on the spot because I got to make sure I get all my notes down. But I, but it was uh, I believe it was four. I think okay. they wanted. I think no, that no, it was. I take that back. It did was it go- five. It was five. Right. I think. So it didn't go all seven games. Uh, no, it did not go okay. all seven. But there's a sing- But wait till we get to the playoffs. Right. Oh I'll God. have the yeah, numbers yeah. down for that and all that because like I, I just for me is and I want to admit this right. There's earlier episodes. I've got a couple like the statistics wrong. That's why oh, I yeah, write everything yeah. down. Because what I know, the thing that for me is like the way that my mind works for history. It's not doesn't work with like technical dates and everything like this. The way that my mind grabs history is is like understanding how like the story unfolds. Like what like this led to this, why did like the motivations behind people, the result like sort of the results and what led to such and such. My I I've never been really great with like dates and numbers and stuff like this. That's why I write everything down. So that's why we've I've actually had like a couple of uh, yeah, we had a couple of corrections, yeah. Because I because I and that's why I started really writing everything down because I forget and, and anybody that's listening, it, maybe it was five games. I forget to be honest with you, but what I, but when you when, when we get to that point, you will see that um one of the like th- like there was a mate like the, the the Stanley Cup playoffs were one of the most incredible stories that are ever to be told. And I mean, it, it's the, pl- what, that's the, what the story I'm going to get to today, if, you know, if we ever get to it today. Well, go whoever, for it, man. Go whoever for it. get to the, 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 the regular season, if we get, when we get to the, finally get through the regular season, the playoffs are just the most epic playoffs ever. I mean, and I dare anybody that, li- when we get to that point, tell me a playoff series that is better than what we're going to get oh, I'm to. I'm telling with that. you, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, the, I don't even want. I mean, you have the longest game in NHL history. I, I don't want to get to it. We're, yeah, yeah. we're going too far ahead. I want to get to the regular season now. Yeah. So anyway, so, we so now where we are? Games. Game number twenty-six of a forty-eight game season. We're going to start and get get start <laughs> to pile, smash through this. Right? All right, let's go. Game number twenty-six is where we begin today's show, and it, and like as I mentioned, the dog fight, the dog fight, and and, and, it, and it, no dog fight would be complete without beginning the the opening freaking uh, snarls between the two dogs. In the, in the opening snarls are game number two with the Blackhawks, 0-0 tie, season mm. series, 0-0 and 1, right? So they open the, they open the series, the, the thing up with a tie. Do, do I need the uh, the graphic with the... We can show... Well, no, all hold right. on. One, wait one oh, second on all the... Right. Uh, all right, I got it. Wait, got it unless got it. you have last week's web with Mike nope. Caracas with that one with Mike Caracas. Because the, because the Blackhawks, what's fascinating is nope. the goalie of the Blackhawks, the goalie of the Blackhawks, oh, yeah, Mike yeah. Caracas, yep. which is shown in this picture here. Christmas, yep. Yes, this, this, this picture was from Christmas night, 1935, against mm-hmm. the Red Wings. Christmas night at Olympia. Red Wings are in first place, playing against the Blackhawks, and, uh, and, the, uh, and the Wings actually lose that game, 0-2. Oh. to two. Oh. Caracas has a shutout. But Mike Caracas is a signature person in this Rivalry dogfight because the Red, because the Red Wings had cut him. 
they read when he was that he was he played for James Norris with the Chicago Shamrocks and was cut. He was offered to the Red Wings for free. The Red Wings cut him. They don't even want him. He could have had him for free. They they don't oh. even want him. And they and so he returns two for years free. later as the starting goalie of the Chicago Blackhawks and will go on to Put win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Yes, he's a this is so so the goalie of the Blackhawks detests. Don't. Detest the Red Wings, yeah. and he's just one amongst many. The owner hates him. The the coaches hate him. They're they're everybody hates everybody. It's a, <laughs> it's a the fans hate him. The they all hate each other. It's just and that's so. Anyways, so Caracas and his, so the so so game number two is zero zero tie. Game, so the second time they play the Blackhawks, the Red Wings win three to one. That, so we're going to show one of the graphics. A teeter totter, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it goes back and forth. Tie, win, loss, win. Loss, loss. So anyway, so here we are. So it goes back and forth and back and forth. So as we enter, so game number twenty-seven. So go as I start, So we start. I said we'd start with game twenty-six. Toronto. So they go game twenty-six, which is the first game we have for this little segment. Yeah. Toronto wins one to six. So uh, so the, the Red Wings lose. And so, <clears throat> uh, game number twenty-seven. The the uh the uh, sh- the, game, the wings are shut out by Boston. Oh, all right. So they've started off this next little string Boston. with a couple of losses, right? But keep in mind, the Red Wings are on this huge road trip. This road trip is taking them all over the country. So it's not easy necessarily to win when you're on the road every single day, and yeah. that's what they're doing, right? So get so this takes us to game number twenty eight. So game twenty eight once. It, so this is the game that goes against, <laughs> it's against the Blackhawks, right? So this is so their record, their season series record going into game number twenty eight. The red, so it's even. It's two wins, two losses, and one tie, right? So this game is going to set is like the the net is like in a sort of a, a, a pseudo tiebreaker, right? And so game so so uh, so they go into this game and uh, game twenty eight the uh, it's a three to four loss. It's a three to four loss. And but this is an article I want to read. Okay, this is a quote I want to read because the, there's I can't describe it. I was not there, mm-hmm. right? So I so in the, the, what you're looking and at I, here, Matt. I love these authors too. Oh, the, the way they bring this stuff to life. <laughs> so what you're looking at <laughs> taking here, their liberties with language. Go yeah. go. So what I have here, Matt, and I'm gonna show this to the camera a little bit. This is this binder I have, right? Yeah, yeah. And so what I have here, this binder is like this is my this is the only primary source of the Red Wings first season. I have every game from the Red Wings and the Olympics. Every article, it goes all the way through the season. It's like a giant book of just articles that with a crap ton of notes that I've yeah, written yeah. That, that, that goes game by game through the whole season. And so I'm reading to you now from my the only primary source about this Red Wings 1935 season. So so here it is. So the Red Wings have just lost 3-4. to four. The D, And this is the thing. Detroit, and if you want to show the graphic that shows the records. Okay. That shows the Detroit's record in 1935, how it ebbs and flows. So in this season, I don't know if you can zoom in. That red patch is where we're is the is is the episode we're talking about today. So the Red Wings move down into second place as a result of this loss to Chicago. And who moves into first place? Chicago. Uh. Yes. So the Red Wings have been first place. They've been cruising. They had the orgy of victories. They've jumped from from being the hitless wonders, and now they're in second place. And so this is the article that talks about by Leo McDonald. This article comes out came out on January thirty first, nineteen thirty six. So here he says. Beaten and bruised, the Red Wings today in second place licked their wounds in the wake of the season's most fiercely fought hockey game, which was won by the Blackhawks 4-3 in stormy Olympia last night. Atop the American division were the conquering and smirking Blackhawks with a one-point margin over Detroit, a lead the Red Wings enjoyed going into last night's battle. 
It is the first time the Red Wings have been out of first place since a month ago when they celebrated New Year's by moving to the top at the expense of the team that last evening dumped them into the second hole. Huh. So they won. The Red Wings moved into the first place previously by beating the Blackhawks in their right. last incursion. Now the Blackhawks have come back, beat them, and dumped them into second place. Hmm. So in an angry mood. As they packed today for a trip to Montreal, meaning the Red Wings going out to Montreal, they weren't fit companions for the angriest of John Millen's lions at the Detroit at the Detroit Zoo. Their mood boded no good for their next antagonist, who happened to be the Canadians tomorrow night. Somebody's got to pay for it, Larry Ory murmured, as Sudbury's <laughs> gift to hockey brooded over missing a left hook. As, as Sudbury's gift to hockey brooded over missing a left hook aimed at Art Weeb during one of the flamingest <laughs> moments of last night's brawl. He's mad because he missed the pit with a fucking left hook. <laughs> De- defeat for the Red Wings came, came as 10,000 thrill-packed fans roared and booed alternately through three periods of action cram puck chasing marked by a mixture of good and bad playing and fistic encounters. Jeez. Added to this were refereeing, which brought a deluge of souvenirs on the ice, Hurled by, hurled by a crowd made wrathful by, by fanatic decisions injected by a couple of Frank Calder's hired hands more cockeyed than ever. You said deluge. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he's like making fun of the referees saying more, the, the, the referees more cockeyed than ever, like mocking the refs, right? Wow. So he says, officials rouse fans. It has been several seasons since officials have been so success, successful in arousing a Detroit crowd to such a pitch. A flood of newspapers, oranges, apples, tobacco cans, and, and other trinkets once forced a delay at Olympia attaches cleaned the, cleaned the debris from the ice as the fans poured their spleen on A.J. Smith and Billy Bell, the Take conspirators. Take my boy. There they you poured go. their <laughs> spleen and like, on the referee. And then and they're like, you're like, well, why why do they make you? They don't give you a bottle at the thing anymore. It's like. Yeah. Well, I'll explain. Here we go. Here we I got go. another There's one right here. Why? why don't they give you glass bottles at Olympia? Here we go. This is the reason why. <laughs> Last goal made by Smith roared one incensed fan as Chicago scored, and the huge crowd, crowd roared at his second to second the motion. This was an example of the temper of the crowd. Among the, among the missiles was an empty whiskey bottle which sailed over the press section and just missed a player on the head. The weapon so struck the ice that it skimmed along without breaking. Wow. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, this, uh, so I'll, I'll keep going real quick because this talks about Mike Caracas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Mike Caracas. Oh, Even yeah. though I hate him because he was the goalie of the Black Ops, I love him, I love him because he was just he was the nemesis. Yeah. Oh, he is. So while, so while costly penalties inflicted on the Red Wings helped the Blackhawks no little, to Mike Caracas, the season's sensation in Major League net mining goes the greatest credit for Chicago's smashing win. So revenge is complete. Uh, it's a tops, the Minnesota kid who wasn't good enough to play for Detroit more than got even with Detroit, batting and kicking out pucks with the finest exhibition of goal mining that Olympia this season. On the basis of his performance last night, Caracas should make any diving team in the Olympics. His miracle diving robbed the Red Wings of what looked like a number of sure goals. So Cara- wow. they gave wow. credit to Caracas as the guy that, I mean, the Red Wings still got three goals, but they're like, Caracas was still stopping them, right? So anyways, so we get this, and so we get, so now the Red Wings are in second place. So All it's right. back and forth, ebb and flow, right? So game 29, three to one. So they go in there and they take their anger out in the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So um, three to one win. So their win, and, and Chicago actually loses at this moment, puts Detroit back into first place. Oh, okay. But they're not like sole position. You know, it's a tenuous hole that first place at this moment. Yep. 
So game number 30. This is kind of key because game 30, the Red Wings face the Rangers. It's a 4-4 tie, but what's interesting about this game is at the very end of the game, uh, Johnny Sorrell, who we, we spent a chunk of an episode introducing as one of the core components of the Red Wings, Johnny Sorrell had not done anything this year. He was a, he had only had three goals up to this point. Like He was a goal scorer. Like he was the kind of guy that scored like twenty goals a year, which yep. is decent. But he's one of these guys that's like just you know he's just kind of you know he's he's a core component. He's a solid player. He scores here and there, but he's always like kind of contributing. But in this year, he wasn't contributing to anything. He like up, up to this point, we're thirty games in, and he's only got three goals. Right. So his his fourth goal comes at the very end of this game, which allows the Red Wings to hang on and score get a tie, and then in that tie allows them to retain a tie with the Chicago Blackhawks for first place Mm -hmm. as they enter Game 31 against... The Blackhawks. Yes, thank you, Jamie. You did it. You've known me so long. What's he do? Get some face. (laughs) Yes. Game 31, they enter the Blackhawks, right? And this is where it starts to get fascinating, right? Yeah. So Game 31... We, we we sit here. We're talking about Mike Caracas, and I'm doing out how much I love the nemesis yeah. of our of our team and all this different stuff. But in this game, so this is game three. All built, you know. I got to actually. I want to read up a little article here. This is uh, you know. I don't need it. I don't need to hype it. I don't need to hype it. Red Wings are tied for first place. Yep. They're ending. They're going. They're going to. They're going. Um. They're going to Chicago. If the Blackhawks win, they're sole possession of first place. Oh. If the Red Wings win. Their sole possession All in the right. first place. The, eve, the season series going into this is tied. Two wins, two losses, one tie. What else do I need to hype up? Right. This is this is, this is the game. This, this, it might be game thirty-one with with twenty-seven more games to play, but at this moment, sure. it's for all the marbles. Oh yeah! And the Red Wings, they can't lose this, right? No. And neither, and nor do they. Yeah. The Red Wings win this game on the road. On the road. On the road. One. To nothing. Oh, so they shut out the Blackhawks. Nice. Normie Smith, the goal, and this is where I want to bring uh, bring up the goalies. Yeah, well, so, actually, hold on one more second. All one right. more second here. Um, we'll bring him up in a second. But here's the thing: so one to nothing. So the Red, the Red Wings go into Chicago, and Normie Smith, who we haven't, you know, we've mentioned, we've mentioned him in the in the intro, you know, episodes, but. But here it is. Normie comes out, and Mike Caracas, we already talked about in the previous article here, was the season sensation, mm. right? And he gets beaten. He gives up one goal, and Normie gives up none. So, so this is a goal. This is a goalie duel, right? Yep. I got a couple little notes here just to make sure I, I get it all in. One nothing shutout of the Blackhawks. Detroit ends up. Detroit ends up two plus games for the for first place. And so this is what's cool too is that Johnny Sorrell, who had gotten the game that had gotten the goal in the end of that New York Rangers game that had like allowed Detroit to stay tied for Chicago in first place, gets a, gets the game winner. So the only goal scored in yeah. the game was yeah. by Johnny Sorrell, who had oh. saved him at the end of the previous game to keep him in first place, and now he gets the only goal Johnny. to win the game for this against the Blackhawks. You see, so even though he hadn't, you know, like he he'd been having an awful season, sort of statistically wise, two of the most important goals thus far up to this point, he's shining, are are, are scored by Johnny Sorrell, and that's yep. that right there. When we did the introduction of Johnny Sorrell, I talked about how he had a knack for getting sort of important goals. And this right here highlights it. This is a you know the the evidence of this is that in this one to nothing win, Johnny Sorrell gets it. That's why Adams kept him around. That's why he was a core component of the team. Is that when the when like he was you know like you know he he wasn't you know it's tough to define when somebody looks in a book and's like 
who is Johnny Sorrell? They look at a Wikipedia and like, oh, he had 15 goals this year and 17 goals another year. You just, you know, he is what he is. But when you see him in the context where this critical game, yeah. right, he gets the lone goal to win this game. So anyway, Sorrell gets the goal. There's no fights. No fights, which is like sort of a rarity because yeah. both teams. These guys are brawlers. Well, these teams knew the importance of this game. Uh, no so penalties. no penalties. Yeah. They're not trying to get any penalties. Right, There's right. no fights. This is a professional Workmanlike scientific <laughs> game where both these teams knew the knew what they needed to do to win the you know you know that uh, they didn't want to give the other team any advantages yeah. so they kept discipline no fights sixteen thousand eight hundred and seventy three fans wow, at Chicago Stadium oh yeah this is at Chicago Stadium okay. it wasn't Olympia but this is the largest weekday game Oop. in at Chicago Stadium ever wow sets a new record so that shows you at the time how big this game even in Chicago they viewed it as a major game yeah. Joe Lewis was in attendance. Oh, nice. As well as the NHL president, Frank Calder. This was a major deal. Joe Lewis is there. Uh, Mike Caracas refuses to shake Normie Smith's Uh. hand at the end of the game. (laughs) And here's a little quote right here. So, uh, couldn't take it. Chicago, February 7th. The darling of the Chicago Blackhawks, goalie Mike Caracas, refused the friendly handshake of Normie Smith, Detroit goal miner, after the Red Wings-Blackhawks game last night. Normie skated down the ice to to, to, to shake... I just sort of, the words kind of tough to read. Normie skated on the ice to shake Mike's hand, offered to shake hands, but Mike but Krakus didn't acknowledge his rival Ugh. as he pushed his way to the dressing room. So Krakus wouldn't even shake Normie's hand. Normie. So that this is you know the good sportsmanlike conduct. That right there, that little component just dives into that moment where they're like, "I'm not shaking your hand, you know. Yeah, I hate yeah, you yeah. guys, you know. This ain't. <laughs> we're not friends. I got nothing to do with you." So now that even so, after this game, the season series three, three and one. It's once again even up, right? It's once again even up, and so uh, it's so that's what's so cool. So it's so it's even up with. There's only one game left in this 48 game season. Mm. There's uh, so we, so the, the the Red Wings win one nothing against the Blackhawks in game number thirty one. Win one nothing. It's a goalie duel, and and Normie Smith shines, beats uh, Mike Caracas. Red Wings shine. Take the take, so now the season series is three three and one. Red Wings are sole possession of first place. Season series three three and one. It's all tied wow. up. There's only going to be one more game between these two teams, and as we're going to find out um, next episode, not today. Uh, but we're going to find out in the next episode that this game is going to decide the entire season for both teams. Oh, okay. So wait till we get to that. That's oh what I'm my. saying. This is the greatest rivalry dogfight in the history. Like, I mean, one of the greatest ever. So anyway, so that's game number 31. Um, so here's here's this is I have a great little quote here that following this game, they there uh, this guy had a great Leo McDonald had a great article talking about how Chicago wanted to stop Detroit from winning the City of Champions. How they wanted to be played spoiler and knock the Red Wings off so that they would not do it. So it says, so Leo McDonald, uh, this article is from February 7th, 1936. He says, uh, John Chicago thinks Miss Detroit is a terrific glutton. So, so the lovers quarreled here yesterday, each declaring that they won't make up. It's hockey that brought it on. A thought in puck chasing circles, if nothing more than a fight figuratively. You got the world champions in baseball, John pouted. You've got the pro football champions, Joe Lewis and Garwood and everything. Yes, I know, but we've never had the Stanley Cup, Miss Detroit shrilled, pounding the skis on the cocktail bar. So this, you seem to say uh, like yeah, they're alluding yeah. to the idea that oh we've never God. had the Stanley Cup. But you ain't had the cup. So we want that, too. Where it's coming, baby. Yes. Oops, spoiler. So game number 32, 
Seven to three win over the Maroons. It's an absolute assault. What uh, a maroon! So the Montreal Maroons, <laughs> who are gonna they're gonna meet the Wings eventually in the play. Maroons are a, a great team, and so a seven three victory over them is tremendous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and it's at this. I can sit here and ramble through all the goals, but there was a ton of them. Um, the uh, Scotty Bowman's first goal in the game. Huh. This Scotty Bowman's first goal of the season came. It was, it was the first goal of this game. Ooh. And what's kind of significant about it is that the Maroons had scored. So it was uh, one nothing Maroons, and then right after that, Scotty Bowman came Boom. down with his first goal of the year, nice. scored the goal equalizer, and then the momentum completely shifted, and it became a deluge, seven to three win by the uh, by the Wings. So it was timely, is that what you're saying? Incredibly timely for his first goal of the season, yeah. especially. So game thirty two goals of the Red Wings, and the Red Wings at this moment are plus four games in first place, and then so um so game thirty three. Uh, and this, yeah. So game thirty-three. This is where we're going to leave off was with, with this game here, which is a um, one-nothing win by by the Red Wings over Boston. And what's and the reason I kind of want to leave off with here because I, because this is where we can bring up these goalies on the on the screen here where I, I seen that the image. So in nineteen thirty-five, like the three big like headline goalies of this year, and this is it's a great moment. To, it's it's a rare opportunity to mention a tremendous goalie in the history of hockey, which is a guy named Cecil Tiny Thompson. Uh, and I that's love who, that. I love the name. Tiny Thompson is in this era like anybody like um, like Tiny Thompson is just the peerless goalie. I mean, he is like the guy. Tiny Thompson is just unbelievable. And so, um, so that so the fact that Normie Smith in game number thirty three, and this is what this graphic has on the screen here. Um, Jamie, could you zoom in on just a hair no. so I can actually read I can't. the uh, thing I can't. for myself? Nope. Oh, you can't. Oh, I thought you could on that. Uh, not the way I got it set up right All now. Right, I got the paper. I got the notes here, anyways. So just to give an example of how great Tiny Thompson was, so Tiny Thompson this year would actually be like awarded the the trophy for the best goalie, which is the Vizina Trophy. This was his third. I Vizina can read trophy. what's on there. Okay. Well, so I got the, my notes here, anyways. So, so. Um, Tiny Thompson in 1935 has uh, 10 shutouts, which is number one in, yeah, the, in yeah. hockey. Out of 48 games, Tiny Thompson has 10 of those games are shutouts, which mm-hmm. is 25, you know, almost like, what is that, 22% of his games are shutouts. Jeez. Um, so 1.68. 1.68 goals against average, which is also number one in the league. 10 shutouts, number one. Um, Mike, and just to put it in sort of context, Mike Caracas, who's another player we have up on the screen here, um, has forty? They, all three goalies that we were talking about here have forty eight games. They played all the games in the season. So Mike Caracas, he has a he has a one point eight five goals against average. So sub two, just like you know, sub two goals a game, just like Tiny Tiny Thompson. So so Mike Caracas is number two in goals against average. So if, if they if if uh, it, it, they they both played forty eight games. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So they played every game. All right. And so did Normie Smith, who was the next yep, yep. person I mentioned. So just a quick kind of rundown just to show you. Tiny Thompson, 1.68 goals against average, which means basically one and a half goals a game. And he's a a Boston guy. He's the Boston goalie. Okay. And then Mike Caracas, 1.85 goals a game. All right? And then Normie Smith, who's the third guy we have on the screen, 2.04 goals against average. Okay. Right? So two goals a game on average, right? Tiny Thompson, 10 shutouts. That's number one in NHL. Mike Caracas, nine shutouts. Number two in the NHL, Normie Smith, six shutouts, which is number fifth oh, five. in the NHL. Wow. So he's sort of down the list, right? A little bit. He's fifth in the list. Yeah, yeah. But of all these different things, you know what Normie had over all of them? What did he have? Number one in wins. Ah. Normie Smith was the, like this, like the so, winner. Exactly. So Woody. there's there's Woody something the he said. The there's something he said for you know, there's the statistics and all this, but there's also the you know it's about winning. 
And Normie Smith would end up this year as a Stanley Cup champion goalie. Yeah, baby. You see what I'm saying? So he wasn't number one in goals against average. He wasn't number one in shutout. But he's the number one in winning Stanley Cup championships <laughs> in 1935. That's uh, all that yeah. matters, right? Exactly. <laughs> and also number one in wins. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. So that's why I love this little screen. I found some really great pictures on these guys. I yeah. love these pictures. The Normie Smith, the hat flipped up, is just the coolest picture. Yeah, yeah. He wore, he wore a baseball hat he most wore a of the baseball time while hat. he was goalie. And in this picture, he's got his hat flipped up. Like the Bills <laughs> flipped up. Like that, it's that like was one of those his 30s deal. look. Yeah, it's a great shot. Ah. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, so but in this game, that's what I love about this game three. This is where we're gonna leave it, is that um, is that uh, Normie Smith shut out Tiny Thompson uh. in this game. Wow, you know what I mean? So one of Normie Smith's six shutouts comes against, against Tiny, Tiny and beats Tiny nice. for you know, in this game. Yeah, and so um, I want to read kind of a cool quote because yeah, I do want to end it here, which is um, so Marty Berry. So one of the we talked about uh, Marty Berry was that he was a, the 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 First line center for the Red Wings in season. And in fact, if you ever read any Detroit Red Wings history books and they talk about 35, they always mention the line of Marty Berry, Larry Ori, and Herbie Lewis. And, and, um, and the thing that they always, every single book, whenever you read a book about the 1935 Red Wings, they always say, the Red Wings traded for Marty Berry for their lone all-star, Cooney Wyland. Like, I can literally put that in quotes because every book says the same thing. The reason why the Red Wings in 34 were different from the Red Wings in 35 was because the Red Wings traded their lone all-star Cooney Weiland for Marty Berry, and that changed everything. That's partially true. That's a, certainly a component. Marty Berry was a tremendous player, and but Cooney Weiland was a tremendous player for Boston, the guy they traded away. They were both fantastic. And it was an ongoing story throughout the entire year as far as which team had gotten the better of that trade. But in this particular game, in this game in which the Red Wings shut out the uh, the Bruins one to nothing. Um, the, the like this is a case, you know, uh, Marty. There's many other elements of why Marty Berry was so valuable. He was one of the best passers in the game. He was a big guy. Nobody, rarely would anybody try to fight Marty Berry. He was such a he was such a beast. But in this particular game, this quote right here, Berry was the one that scored this goal against mm. his former team, who he had been traded from to win this game. And this little quote here adds a little flavor to um to that story. Right. This is why I want to kind of lead it off, end it off with this. So goal, so this, the title of the article, this comes out uh, uh, February 14th, 1936, written by Leo McDonald, Detroit Times. Um, goal by Barry takes Bruins in camp. i got to get close to this one to read it because it's got a little bit of accent. i got to throw a little of my own uh, sauce. There you go, get it. i got to throw my own little sauce in this, spice in this. Marty Barry today whistles a gay Irish tune as he packed for Toronto, where tomorrow night the Red Wings play the Maple Leafs. It sounded like when Irish eyes are smiling. It's a fine day, Mr. Barry, says the cop on the beat. It's a fine day. What do you mean it's a fine day? It's a beautiful day, says Mr. Barry. I see you beat them Bostons last night, says the cop. Yes, them Bostons, we did so, says Mr. Barry. Keeps it to himself, but modest Mr. Barry doesn't tell Terry the cop how Detroit beat the Bostons one to nothing. It was Mr. Barry himself, and was, a, was it a gigantic goal? It was the biggest goal Mr. Barry ever made in his whole fine life. What foiner than whipping the bo- them Bostons, says Montreal Irishman. To get the value of this, you must remember Barry was traded from Boston to Detroit for Cooney Weiland, and there has been a sort of contra- contest as to whether or not Detroit or Boston got the better of that deal. But the base of last night's game, one must be led to believe that Detroiters are ahead of that deal. So there's so, so there was another little component here. Barry's goal was achieved early in the second period with the help of Herbie Lewis, and it was as foin a play as any would want to see. Racing down a, d- a left wing, Lewis passed over to Barry. The puck skimmed between Eddie Shore and H- Eddie Hollett. Boston defenseman straight to Barry, who swung in on Thompson from the right wing and fired from about 15 feet out. 
The rubber all but tore a hole high in the Boston net. Nice. Wow. Barry was Irish. I had to throw a little Irish spice. I like spice. that. You got a little Irish spin on that. I had to throw a little Irish spice into it. Irish eyes could. were smiling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, uh, the, 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 the author throw the spice into it? Mm-hmm. I had to try to convey from the past. So we don't hate all the Blackhawks. All right, I'm throwing a picture up of uh, Ed, Ed Belfort and his son, Dane Belfort. Yeah, no, we don't hate and then all Brian. the Blackhawks. Yeah. They, they were just in town. We yeah, were we don't hate any of The thing about it is is that the, the, the rivalry intensity of these teams, and this is yeah. one of the things I've talked about on several occasions, is the, the, the rivalry with these teams is what makes us want to go watch. Yeah. And that's one of the things that 35 people, a lot of times 1935 is discounted. Because they say, oh, there's only eight teams in 1935. There wasn't, there wasn't like the 30 teams that there is now. They're like, oh, there's hardly any teams, so it's easier to win championships, whatever. But when you have less teams, you face the same teams. It's kind of like the 1950s with Gordie Howe. They don't, they, that was the original six. There's only six teams in the NHL in the 1950s, mm-hmm. right? Six teams. So when you play the same teams over and over, the fans know everything mm-hmm. about every one of those right, opponents. Right, right. Every time somebody gets dumped on the ice, smacked in the face, every single one of those things gets added to the the, the sum total tally of all the things that you hate that guy for, right. that you hate that team for. And even a new player on that team, you hate that guy just because he's part of that bunch of scoundrels that yeah. you already hate. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? Like That's what I'm saying. Like The less teams... The, that, that's why, like it, this season is discounted by many people because they're like, "Oh, there were so less teams." But the fans, they they knew every single player on every single team, and that's because there was less of them. It was easier to follow, and there was more confrontations. There was more opportunities to establish grudges and rivalries in this, and in, in that way, it's almost like sort of like a, a high school or college type situation. But in, but that's what kind of what made pro sports so cool was that. Those pro teams, like a player could be with the same team for like 10 years yeah. instead of like two or three. Yeah. And so it really developed these rivalries between these cities. And a well, lot of- and, 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 you know, fans and, and people were really invested in those players. Yes. You know. And Marty Berry, before he came to Detroit, was hated by the Red Wings. He was hated by the players. He was hated by the fans. Yeah. That's why it was like crazy. They're like, what are you doing, Jack? Why are you bringing <laughs> Marty Berry here, dude? All of us have fought this guy. Oh, he's knocked my two of my teeth out last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Mar- we hate that guy. You know, and that's how I wrote him into the movie was right. that he was like this guy that like, uh, you know, that they that they didn't even like when he first showed up, but they knew he was like, you know, he's a great player, of course. But right. they're like, so was the guy we traded. You know, the Cooney was great. He was like one yeah. of the best goal scorers in the yeah. NHL. They're swallowing your pride and just do your job. Yeah, they point, did, right? and they brought him in, but you know, they embraced him. But at the same time, like the fans are, but that's like what adds. And I think that's one of the components of sports that a lot of these these the leagues and that today do not understand is that is that like the you know especially how the like the drama it's almost like a soap opera yeah. half the time nowadays the soap opera comes off the field but a lot of t- but it used to be or you know I don't want to say like back in my day it was like this what I'm trying to say is that one of the key the cool components of sports is is in is uh the is the fans getting to know these other teams yeah, right. and getting to and like the rivalries a lot of times we think of rivalries as um it's only like we we have a rivalry with Chicago because they're you know sort of near us or we have a rivalry with Milwaukee because they're sort of near us but those rivalries are developed over time and if these leagues would actually help to foster some of these rivalries 
then it would even be, you know, then it would actually lead to more engaging content that people would want to watch their things more because it's like, oh my God, I don't care if my team's in or not, but I'm not going to get beat by the Cleveland team. Well, we're going to continue this rivalry with uh, Chicago and the whole NHL as we move to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the the next episode is the final game with the Blackhawks, which is going to decide it all. There's a teaser. All right, cool. So we'll do that uh, next time. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please follow. Uh, subscribe, like, comment, uh, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Share. Pre- appreciate. Share, share, share. share, share. share. Tell, tell a friend. And uh, appreciate you Every like, every along. subscribe really helps. We're trying to grow the channel. We've got, I think, double-digit listeners now, sure. which is like high yeah. double digits, hey. mid-double digits. Right on. Oh, stop. <laughs> Something. <laughs> we got people. Digits. We got mid. We got mid-double digits. Nah. All right. So, uh, but yeah, follow, and uh, thank you so much for, for sharing time with us. And until uh, next time, right, we're still playing hockey. Keep your stick on the ice. Right? Keep your stick on the ice. <laughs>